Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ministry Mondays with Meg. I'm Meg. I am Reverend Meg Biddle, and I currently serve as the National Coordinator for Ministry Life and um, what's historically been known as the profile, the ABPS, the profile system. Um, I am absolutely thrilled today to have my um, my guest, Reverend Dr. Marsha Patton, um, who has, you know, like I told her before when we were chatting before, like uh, a little bit of like fangirl here because uh, she's pretty amazing in my opinion. So she's the executive minister emerita of Evergreen Association of ABC Churches. Um, she's she's written one book um, all by herself, the intentionally inclusive together at the table for ministry. And then she's co-authored at least um, together at the table. Well, let's see, uh, sacred decisions, consensus of faith communities, and when the spirit moves, which was uh, written co-authored with uh, the late Riley Walker. So, um, Dr. Marsha, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I I really appreciate it. I'm sure everybody else does. Um, so, for those who don't know you, I know I just rattle off part of probably what you're going to say, but for those who don't know you, um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and 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 we'll go from there. So since, since I left um, being executive minister of Evergreen Association, I'm officially retired, but not from life, just from that position, which allows me to do whatever I want to do. That's part of what contributed to, uh, during COVID, Nora Percival and I writing the book, Sacred Decisions, Consensus in Faith Communities. And the other things that occupy my time is, I'm actually a member at the moment of two churches. Uh, one, so that I can be their treasurer because they're sort of a new church start and needed somebody to fulfill that role and um and do that work and then i'm i'm really a member of new beginnings christian fellowship and and do what i can there and then uh and i squeeze every moment i can into um quilting and um and being with people who are quilting and doing that kind of thing i've i'm uh not married but i am uh a member of a family that has six siblings. Our parents have passed away in the last 10 years, but um, but we've got a commitment to getting together once a year and that requires a bit of coordination and work and fun. They're all in the Eastern time zone and I live in the Western time zone. I was gonna say, because you grew up in Pennsylvania so. out where I'm at, right? <laughs> Yeah. And actually, when I was re reading her bio, I realized um, a few weeks ago, I went and preached at Hatboro. Um, oh. And I, they're just a lovely, lovely community. I love those guys. That was that was so much yes. fun. Well, I'm, it is so much different, I know, from when mm -hmm. I spent my first year and a half out of my first go at seminary at Hatboro Baptist Church. Oh, that was your very first year. Excuse me. You're at Hepro. No, that was that was prior to my return to seminary. Four okay. years there. I'm sorry. I no, no, no. 
I immediately went to First Baptist Church, Somerville, New Jersey. But okay. even Hatboro has changed a bit in the over 30 years since I've well, we, we hope churches will change a little bit at least, you know. Um, but some haven't. Um, some still are stuck in the 1950s, but you know, that's another story <laughs> for another day. Um, so even though you're retired but not retired from life which is great and and wonderful um i'm i want to say i'm glad you wrote the book on on consensus um the second church i served was um abc and presbyterian oh my <laughs> it was not a good fit for me personally um robert robert's rules of order and i you know, I I would have I would have loved to have, mm -hmm. yeah, have this Robert's, Robert's rules of order is helpful in in a lot of ways, but it's really designed to get to majority rule. Mm -hmm. And the biggest problem I think with it is that when you're addressing a problem, what you do is put a solution on the table. In consensus there's no reason to put a solution on the table first. You can have a good and open discussion about the issue and you may find that the issue wasn't what you thought it was when you begin dialogue. So therefore any conclusion you make, any solution you come to will be different. And, and um, that's really one of the biggest differences is that, um, you know, Robert's Rules of Order is just to keep everything so that people will treat each other reasonably. And you've got this whole complicated way to make sure that you're kept there. I would agree that in consensus, the facilitator, moderator, clerk, whomever is the person in charge, depending on whose mm -hmm. language you're using, um, Norrin and I used this, what we hoped was a fairly um, neutral word of facilitator. That way, any faith community could put their word in place of it. So in Baptist circles, it would be moderator. Has a lot more power because they don't have these list of rules that, okay. But, but we recommend that you have at least some guideline principles that everybody goes by. Um, the the group can can develop them or you can adopt somebody else's rules. We suggest respect communication guidelines from uh, Eric Law Kaleidoscope Institute, but you need something, right? And you need you need somebody who's really able to recognize who in the room needs to speak and who in the room has spoken and who in the you know, because that's not all listed by some kind of rules. So if you've got a lousy facilitator, you can have a lousy experience with consensus. Yeah. But if you've got a good one, um, yeah. you can have blessed experiences with it. Yeah. Um, I, I, could, I could just see the so many ways where that would change, <laughs> that would have changed um, um, probably the, my experience serving as, as the pastor, so. Um, I, I think if uh, consensus isn't something folks are familiar and maybe you just have dabbled, um, pick up 
pick up the book and and give it a give it a read um because i've read it and 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 it's definitely definitely worth the read and i think it, it would be helpful to a lot of people yes yeah. yes amen um, yeah <laughs> i mean you wrote it so but um i i just just, just yeah. having been in 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 situations and and you know like when you get started as a pastor like you like you have a clue it's the drinking from a fire hose kind of well, thing and especially in that in that part of the work of a pastor right yeah um seminaries have tried to offer in the past i don't know if they do today ones that i'm aware of don't spend any time on helping pastors lead meetings or talk about you know how you manage the structure of the church and and help the leadership of the church lead well all of that administrivia mm -hmm. um people don't like to sign up for those kind of seminary classes and because they don't sign up for them they end up not being offered when after people get out of seminary they go oh what do i do about this right <laughs> Right. I mean, we had a class on baptism. We had a class on uh, on the Eucharist. Um, nope, nothing on how do I do this. Um, and then then you're they're they're looking at you at the first meeting like you've got the degree, right? You're <laughs> go. Fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Those would be helpful. Or or maybe somebody needs to do them for for those still in in ministry. Um. I want to make sure that I get to like this intentionally inclusive um, because one, you are going to the mission summit, right? The biennial. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, for those, I'll be, at, I'll be at the evergreen booth if you can't find me someplace. Okay. And, and we're also going to steal you and um, Katie Choi Wong and have a, have a, have a girl's chat um, on, on stage before you guys do book signings. So those uh, watching and listening, you'll have a chance to, meet Marsha if you've not ever met her um one where have you been and two you know <laughs> go meet her um but intentionally inclusive and I was giving giving her um praise and thanks for having one written this book and two all the work that you have done um to make a difference in this denomination really I mean it, I I didn't go to an ABC seminary, but I had to take, you know, the the classes like everybody else did before ordination and all that. And I'm just going to say none of this came up. Um, <laughs> not, none of this came up <laughs> in ABC history. Um, and, but the longer I've worked at ABHMS, the more I've heard stories from people who were affected by these decisions that that were made and and they're hard i mean that that's a hard to go this is this is the denomination where i've served as pastor and and then to hear the pain from another person who has been you know their church was disfellowshipped and um is just i mean what do you what do you even what do you even say? So, um, so what was this like when you, I mean, you created a new, a new region basically. 
Well, and I would say, yes, we did. Um, and I think part of the reason you don't hear it even yet in Baptist history and polity class is it's really still being written. The history and, and results are still being written because people are still struggling with some of the issues. But around the year 2000, rather American Baptist churches acknowledged it or not, um, we became a denomination that had no ethnic majority, okay. which put us in a different place than most any other denomination in the United States. Um, and that's, that's just simply because of us welcoming a variety of other churches um, and, and peoples and everything. It, it really is in our DNA really to do that kind of welcoming. But um, even though when you looked at the membership of our churches, we had no ethnic majority. When you looked at our governance and, and how we were being run, it didn't look that way at all. Now, to give credit to ABHMS and ABC USA in general, and to a certain extent, our other ministry partners, MMBB and, and uh, International Ministries, um, people tried to be inclusive. They would look at who was at the table and they would invite people from uh, the various ethnic caucuses. Um, and try to make a decision-making table at least look a little like it should. But I, I likened it to, um, to a dinner table, right? Yeah. And, and if, you go, if you're invited to a dinner, right, you, you might ask the host beforehand, is there anything I need to bring? And if so, you bring that. And you sit down and during the dinner, you take part and you, you know, are fully engaged. And at the end of the dinner, you thank your host, do anything that the host allows you to do in terms of cleanup and all of that. But you say thank you and you leave and you go home. And, and I think that's how the, the non-Euro people um, that were part of the American Baptist fellowship for the most part responded to these invitations to be a part of whatever they were invited to, right? They came, they showed up, they fully participated. And when the show was over, they didn't feel any obligation because they'd been invited to just that. They didn't, they didn't own the dining room table. They didn't own what was happening. They had no say in who was invited to the table they, you know, nobody asked them that those kinds of questions. Nobody asked them what kind of meals should be served, how to set the table, rather to set it with with spoons and knives and forks or with chopsticks or not at all because our group eats with our hands. None of that was asked. You know, it it was just come and and help us do whatever it was that we were doing. Um, I think we were real consistent about making those invitations, but we weren't really consistent in saying, we want you to own what's happening. We, we want you to be so much a part of this that you care 
about everybody at the table, not just yourselves. And I, I, I knew that it was nobody had really talked about it, but it was my experience and in the back of my head. Um, and the group that, I mean, American Baptist Churches of the Northwest, when we, when they made the decision that there needed to be two regions because the fact that there were two churches in the Seattle area that were welcoming and affirming was just too much for some of the other churches in the Northwest. So they decided to ask an entity, an American Baptist entity that was in the Seattle area, let, let those churches form a new region. So part of the good news was that it wasn't a group of churches that said, oh, you're going to disfellowship us, so we're going to start a new region. It was not that. It was a group of churches that included the two, but included a whole lot of other churches, some of whom weren't in the argument at all. All of the black churches weren't in the argument at all. And, and, and said, you all form a new region. Now, there were a lot of people in ABC Northwest that thought Seattle Baptist Union would kick the two churches out. Hmm. I was area minister and that included Seattle Baptist Union at the time. And I could have told them, no, I don't think they will. I said, there, there's much fewer churches in Seattle Baptist Union whose, whose energy to make those two churches tow some kind of line that they're not going to tow um, than you think there is. Um, uh, it's not the majority of churches. And even if you brought in all the people, it's not the majority of people that are going to take, that are going to force churches to do that. Um, well, one, nobody believed that I knew my churches well enough that I could say that. That was just because they didn't think I did my job. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did and could tell them that. And um and in fact, Seattle Baptist Union did have a meeting where they could have stopped the new region if they wanted to. Um, and, and I was sorry for it because it, it forced people to take a vote that was really kind of unnecessary. But, but we, the new region won that particular yeah. vote. Um, and it was, we, so as, as that whole process got started, the General Executive Council decided that they needed to have a way that a new region could come into the ABC because there hadn't been such a thing. So they said, well, we need to have a process. And one of the things that we needed was a bunch of stuff that what was known as the new region at the time didn't even have. Um, and so the question to Seattle Baptist Union was, can we use your name, your insurance, your bylaws, your who you are temporarily until we get our act together? Because we needed to have those in order to say we're we are going to be we are a new region. Um <laughs> it's it's one of those backstories to the mm -hmm. whole story, right? That you yeah. you never hear. Yeah. 
And, and so there was this very controversial meeting um, that ended up to be even more controversial than it, it needed to be because there was a very conservative interim white guy who was pastor of Chinese Baptist Church. And um, he got Chinese Baptist Church to show up um, in several, you know, with, with quite a few more people than they probably otherwise would have shown up with. And then he tried to tell them how they would vote, which didn't hold well with some people at Chinese Baptist Church. Like, it wouldn't have held well with any church. Right, right. This guy wasn't a Baptist. He, you know, he had no business being in the meeting, period, except for the fact that he was interim pastor at Chinese Baptist Church. So there was that controversy going on, you know, as well as just the general controversy. And um, so just the just the process of getting to to saying um, we are evergreen and then that that revelation that happened in the vision committee that we would organize not by geography, not by where our churches were physically located, but by ethnic caucuses. Mm. The only way I have to describe it is that God moved that vision committee. And um, I have nobody, I, it wasn't an idea I had. It wasn't an idea of any individual member of that vision committee. Um, it was God moving among us. And somebody said when we were having the conversation, when the committee was having the conversation, because I facilitated the committee and I, I did a good job of facilitating and allowed them to do the work. But when the conversation was happening, somebody said, well, well could we do it by ethnic caucuses? And if, if I gave anything, it was, you know, could things be done? And I said, we're Baptists. Right. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I mean, you know, we're Baptists. There's nothing that says we can't. And it, and everybody said, it's worth a shot. It's worth at least trying. So, you know, the, the experiment is still underway, but the experiment is working. I would, and I've said to other regions, I said, part of the reason it worked so well and, and certainly got started so well is because we were starting with nothing on the table. It's not like we're changing, changing something that has been in place for a hundred years or 40 years or 50 years or something like that. I think it's a lot harder to change a system because then people are a lot more aware of what they're giving up. The Euro caucus, which wasn't even being called the Euro caucus, right? Until we made the decision to do this, um, did not count the cost mm. of what, of how they were 
they were moving to this shared power. Um, now, I would say most of them were, were saying, we're willing to try anything new. We're really tired. I mean, so that a secondary decision was doing consensus. Um, but but they'd, they'd been in the fight long enough. The Euro churches had been in the fight long enough of just this controversy of, you know, are we going to be inclusive of the LBGTQ community or not? Um, that they they were willing to try anything just so that that fight wouldn't be there. Um, so they didn't sit and say, okay, you know, we're going to give up even though we're going to be the biggest contributor to the region, we're not going to demand more, uh, more representation because we were the purse strings. Um, they just didn't do that. Hmm. Uh, they, they didn't hesitate when they said, if a church contributes, they get the same, it doesn't matter how much they contribute, they get the same number of delegates as any other church. I mean, contributing was, you know, is, is on there, but they didn't say, you know, you have to contribute X amount to get X amount of, of people to show up. So, you know, at the moment in the ABC, if you're, a, have a large number of members and contribute greatly to ABC USA, you can send a lot of people as delegates to the biennial. Um, a small church that, that gives generously can have a few more than a small church that gives a little, but in the ABC USA, you don't even have to give to give, get two delegates to the biennial. And you have to give quite a bit to get more than two delegates to the budget. Yeah. Are, are we ever going to get to that place where we are really, truly inclusive, the denomination? Well, it happens on lots of levels. Okay. You know, it, it just happens on lots of levels. So I think the more... Um, I'm not sure that our churches will ever get to the point of, I mean, still many of our churches are prime. We only have one or two churches in Evergreen that I would say are ethnically inclusive. Okay. Um, that is a lot of people from a lot of different ethnic groups attend the church and are fully, fully part of their staff and what happens in the church. Most of our churches are dominated by one ethnic group. Um, New Beginnings Christian Fellowship that I'm a member of is primarily African-American. Um, they're a fairly young church and the pastor initially wanted them to be much more inclusive, but he grew up and the church was begun with primarily African-American people. And um, 
they would have to make that an issue to say, okay, we are going to become that. And I think it would be very difficult for them today to do it. Not impossible, but very, very difficult. And I also think that when people look for a new church, they look for places where they will be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And until more of the people in the U.S. are comfortable with being in a multicultural context, our local churches aren't going to be multicultural. Now, there is a lot of people who are. There's people like me that would be, and a whole lot of other folks. Um, Lakeshore is one of our, Lakeshore in Oakland is one of our, our multicultural churches. But, um, but not everybody is comfortable in that, that environment. Yeah. We've got a lot of ethnic churches that are from the, the different, um, tribal groups in Burma and Myanmar and and that each tribal group plants the church for their tribal group you know it's it's not even okay we're all from Myanmar so we're gonna <laughs> plant no. a church you know well you know we're Chin that speaks math too so we're going <laughs> We're gonna. I'm, I'm learning all about this in, in church. You yeah, know, I, get together with the rest of the Chin people. Right. I have three colleagues in my in my doctor of ministry class from Myanmar, but all three from different places. And so, this it has been this eye opening experience. Going, okay, wait, you're from Myanmar, but you're okay. We've got the one dialect that everybody's required to speak, but other than that. No, we're on all different. And you're going, oh, I mean. But on the other hand, our regions, our regions, Evergreen Association, provide places and opportunities yeah. for to bring everybody together. And so one of the things that surprised me early on in Evergreen's ministry is how when a when a delegation from Evergreen went to the biennial that was held in Pasadena, um, there was like 50 or 60 Evergreen people there, right? From every one of our caucuses and everybody was talking about Evergreen. And I realized, I said, you know, usually people don't come to biennial conventions and talk about their regions. Right. But, but people were, we were encouraging it, but they were glad to do it and glad to have discussions with people, all kinds of folks, right? And and what, what ABC USA does and what regions do if they're doing their work well is, is bringing the opportunity to bring these different ethnic groups together. And if they should be a region like Maine that doesn't have very many other ethnic groups, then I would encourage them to go to ABC USA where they could meet these other people and have opportunity to interact with safe other people, right? Because we're all Christian, we're all American Baptists. We ought to, we all know we have our disagreements, but but we at least have had a long practice of knowing how to disagree with civility and with Christian background and and with a way that we don't have to put down the other. Um, 
what whatever the other is, we should be enough in practice of it so we know how to put it down. But I think the more and more that uh, American Baptist Churches USA, ABHMS, that do the programming in, in the United States, do the programming, offer leaders from all different groups and ethnicities and whatever, the more that will spread right. and grow, the more, um, the more likely American Baptists will be leaders hmm. in how to do diverse work. Prior to, I'll say Evergreen at this point, yeah. even though ABHMS tried, I think Evergreen really showed how it could be done. And um, it will be interesting to see if ABHMS will adopt for their governance some, some way of including ethnic um, ethnic, making sure all ethnicities are heard mm -hmm. in their governance, um, uh, figuring out how to do their work so that, that those voices can be heard. Because when you put a token in place, if you have one Native American person on the staff, their voice is never going to be heard. Right. I agree. I mean, one of anything, right? Mm -hmm. When there was only one woman, when there was only one African-American, when there was only one whatever, it's a lot harder for that voice to be heard mm -hmm. and sometimes never is. Yeah. 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 I get that. I get that. You become the, come look at our, come meet our new female pastor, you know, right. and, um, you know, uh, okay, why can't I just be, come meet our new pastor? Yes, right. um, yes. I, yeah, um, I, my gender happens to be female, but I'm, I'm a pastor. Still, That's still a pastor. Still a pastor. Yeah. Um, I, I very much appreciate what, what you wrote in there where you wrote Evergreen continues to learn how to be inclusive. Um, but whatever ha has been and will be accomplished is by God's grace and wisdom guiding us. I um, I think that is a plea and a prayer for a lot of us who have have done all that over and over. We're not those kind of Baptists, um, you know, um, who, who have tried to stress that we're not those kinds of, of Baptists. Um, well, and I like, I like the way one of Evergreen's pastors, now retired Tim Phillips, put it. He wouldn't say we're not those kind of Baptists. We'll say, you've heard of Martin Luther King Jr. He was a Baptist. I'm his kind of Baptist. Oh, I like that. It's, it's good like to that. find a positive way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's great. That's great. Um, that's, re that's really great. I think I'm going to use that. Um, I think I'm going to use that. Uh, um, yeah, because why not um, to have somebody to, that I'm that kind of Baptist? Yes, and, and some of the churches he served were duly aligned with American Baptists. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. <sighs> okay. 
my camera has lost connection, but I hope okay. my voice still is. Okay. So then we'll we'll like we'll we'll work on on wrapping up then. So um, the joy question, that question that everybody gets. Um, think about everything in your life, and what brings you joy. The the thing that brings me joy is primarily seeing people, especially when I'm teaching, I see it, but anytime I see somebody learn something new or embrace something new or, or have an aha in life is just, just gives me an extra joy to my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, um, It's, it's just wonderful. Um, uh, I I remember once I enjoy kite flying and once having a, a grandson and his grandmother teaching them to fly kites. And as much as I enjoy flying kites, it was more of a joy to see those two enjoying flying kites until the grandson lost hmm. hold of the kite. He had to chase it down the beach. But that was fun too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But truly, you know, for somebody to come to an evergreen meeting and say, "Oh, now I get it. Now yeah. I get what you're," because yeah. people didn't don't understand in our efforts to be unified that we're okay with dividing up into these ethnic groups. But then when you see the groups coming together and 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 you know, even if the smallest group would say, well, we're not really in agreement with this. We're not ready to go there on this particular decision. And everybody says, okay, we'll wait. Um, so, yeah. So um, I would encourage people if they haven't, oh, there you are, you're back. So I would, I would encourage people if they haven't read it, um, pick, pick up the books, even... Um, I told told Marsha before we began that when the spirit moves, that one was was given in in my group at least um, when we did orientation to AB Life, um, and and that was very helpful for me. Um, found it permission giving um, even when it was time to you know when the spirit is moving and you're just not sure and you're just and it just um, helped me work through some some things I needed to to get to 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 go yeah um it, it is it is time to move on um so I I appreciate you the all the work that you have done the sacrifices you have made and I, I would encourage everyone to to pick up these books come meet Marsha at the biennial if you're coming and um you know uh have her have her sign your books and um, they're available at judsonpress.com um, and I'm sure you can find them on Amazon as well, but they're available on Judson Press um, and, and, and I know that we'll have some, some with us at the Biennial as well. Um, for those listening, um, we thank you for listening as well. We'll, I will put up links um, in the show notes um, on Spotify and Apple so that if you'd like to to click on those and and purchase Marsha's book, um, you know where you're going. And I am just 
again, Marsha, I'm so grateful for you and, and your ministry and, and all that you've done. And I look forward to meeting you in person. Um, Me too. I know. I, I'm like, it's kind of sad that I've been a pastor in, in ABC all my life and I've never met you, at least that I'm certain of. Um, <laughs> certainly heard of you. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, and, and again, thank you so much for your ministry. And we thank everybody for watching and listening. And um, we'll see you all next time. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah.